0: Thank you for joining us here at Celebration Church, where we celebrate God, celebrate people and celebrate life. We hope you enjoy today's message.
1: Well, this morning we are blessed to have Pastor James and Annie back in the room. Pastor James and Annie were our senior pastors for 46 years um, and we were very blessed. I'm just adding years on. I'm a Pentecostal, I've got to add years on. Okay, there was a two-hour timer on the screen just then for your message, and I was like, what's about to go down? Um, but they've, they've minimized it now. Um, Pastor James and Annie are our senior pastors for 30 years. We're very blessed to have a legacy as a church of faithfulness, of loving God, of following Him in different seasons, and we're very blessed to be able to uh, honor those that have gone before us, that have stood faithfully, pioneered, fought for generations, gone in and out of seasons battled through things and fought, and we're very blessed to have you as heroes for our house, um, people that we can still look towards. I know for me and Alex, we wouldn't be who we are without you guys. When we had those first, that first kid, he nearly broke us, and you helped us through that, so thank you so much. We're blessed this morning to have Pastor James bring us around the Word of God. He's got this cup here. He's got this if he wants more water. He's just going to live the dream this morning. Why don't we uh, just end our feet to honor the Word of God and welcome up Pastor James this morning as we come around the Word
0: Good morning, everybody. Let me have a look at you. Yeah, such a good-looking church. Such a, such a celebratory church. Thank you, Karen. I got the name right this time. I got it wrong last time. <laughs> uh, how many of you? love a mystery. There's a few of you. I'm going to talk about mysteries this morning, but as, as just while we're in worship, thank you Pastor Nat and the team. Just while I was in worship, I just had a thought just to share with you before I minister this or if I minister that, I guess. I was thinking about how we approach God and how we interface with the unseen realm. I didn't understand much about this for a lot of years. It's only really been in the last 10 years that I've really started to understand how the unseen realm interfaces with this realm, the realm we see with our natural eyes. And I was just thinking this morning to encourage you to, can, to open and expand your facility, To engage God because a lot of believers only really ever engage God with their with their thinking and so they process things like teaching and worship and exhortation through testimony and just doing their Christian life just with their mind and with their intellect and they are taught a lot of information up here, and that's important. But there is a, a way that we can engage God in a far deeper reality than just that. And I think it's a shame that we're not taught more about it. I wasn't. I had discovered it myself as the Holy Spirit sort of led me down a path some years ago. <clears throat> and I realised that as a spiritual man, as a spiritual being, I was engaging with spiritual entities that were way beyond the congregation that I can see or my Christian friends, and that they were there all the time, and that their reality and my belief in their reality really didn't connect. If I didn't believe that they were there and I didn't believe in engaging them, then I would simply have a veil up to that whole section of faith and walking with God. And of course, Scripture talks a lot about the Holy Spirit, which we can't see, and the presence of God, which we can't see, and angels, which we can't see most of the time. And we can just put all that aside and think, oh, well, that's for heaven. Right now is just for me believing with this up here and testifying with my mouth. And that's enough. And then later on we'll learn. But I think we sell ourselves short. And the thought I was just having while we're in worship, I usually don't sing much in worship uh, for one of two reasons. Either I don't agree with the doctrine of the song. Uh, but i won 't make any further comment on that, and the second one is I save my voice because my voice runs out very quickly, and so i don 't use it up if i 'm going to teach. but it felt, like, it felt to me like the Lord was encouraging me to remember again and therefore sh- and then share with you that the the river of life flows from the throne of God <clears throat> It's, a, it's flowing from the throne of God down, if you like, just perceptually down, through a place called Eden, paradise first of all I guess, or Eden maybe is another term. Eden is a, is a, is a geographical location. In a part of Eden was a garden which we call the Garden of Eden, and that was in the east of Eden, if you read the scripture. So the Garden of Eden was just a little part of Eden. And the river flows through Eden and makes its way into the believer's heart. And out of the believer's heart flow rivers of living water. So when we engage the realm of the spirit, there is something that doesn't come to us from through our mind, it doesn't, it's not filtered through our thinking, it enters us in our spirit and flows out of us. So when we're worshipping, we worship with our mind, but there is a realm where we also flow out of the innermost being, the river of life. When you work to practice, practice the presence of God like that. Practice the presence of unseen beings. Practice being in the throne room, which according to Hebrews 10 tells us that we're we're there right now. We're in the throne room right now. We're in this building here right now. So, Father, I just pray this morning that the reality of the kingdom would birth in us in a fresh way and the river would flow out of our innermost being. And may we engage and encounter the beings of the kingdom that are all around us. May there be angelic visitation for the believers this morning. And may you, Jesus, be Lord of the church in a way that manifests so markedly and powerfully that we would all leave this place refreshed. May we learn to engage in and out of the kingdom of heaven. Thank you for your encouragement and thank you for the beings of the kingdom that cheer us on here this morning and are surrounding us as a cloud of witnesses according to your word. Thank you, Father, you're faithful in these things. Jesus, be glorified, I ask. Amen. Now, how many of you believe the gospel? Eight. (laughs) Eight. Try again. How many of you believe the gospel? Yeah. (laughs) We'll see. (laughs) Oh, dear. That's upside down. A few weeks ago, I did have the joy of being here with you, and I talked to you about a few things. I talked to you about the great something or another, and the great thought and also the great um, place. (laughs) So, and I was going to continue on with two other greats, but then I I can never sit still very long in my thinking and my processing and my journey with God. And so that's all changed now. And I've moved on to, I'm going to speak to you about the great mystery. The great mystery, all right? The great mystery. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3 to 9. And as a believer you are allowed to get excited. You don't have to call out or anything, but inside of you, let the river bubble up. Yes. Now, listen to this. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3 says this. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him in love. He predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself, according to the kind intention of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, which he freely bestowed on us in the beloved. In him, we have the redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished on us, in all wisdom and insight he made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his kind intention, which he purposed in him. We learn from that a number of things. I'll just give you four of them. The first thing we learned is that he chose us before the foundation of the world. Next, he predestined us to adoption as sons. Girls, you're invited into that. We're all sons in the kingdom and we're all the bride of Christ. So we get it, it gets evened out. <laughs> he redeemed us, thirdly, from the, our sinful state by the covenant of his shed blood. And he made known to us this mystery called the mystery of his will. Now, the omniscience of God, which is the all-knowledge of God allows for our existence to be known by him before the creation of the world. Now, if you just think about this meta, metaphysically, if you think about this just with a natural mind, it doesn't really make sense, but God knew us before the foundation, before creation, before the world began, and it was at that point that God chose you, He chose you then, to be sons, and He chose that you should be bought or that we should be brought into the family with God. We, want, we weren't born to serve. Now you'll think, well, the greatest in the kingdom is the, is the servant of all. True. But you were not chosen by God to serve. You were chosen by God to have relationship. One of the, one of the key things that I think we need to, to talk to people about when they first believe and they're new to the things of Scripture and we need to talk to them about sonship before we talk to them about service. Because if you know your sonship in, with the father and then you choose to serve as a son, you won't get tripped up. But if you learn to be a servant, the sonship thing becomes a sticking point. And people can hide behind... the the service issue if they're not convinced of their sonship because sonship means close proximity. Sonship means you and dad. Sonship is is intimacy and some of us are not comfortable with that for varying reasons. But we need to be healed because in order to walk with God in intimacy as a son of God, we need to be healed from our... from the things that hold us back from that and hide in service. Now, don't let me put a dampener on serving. I've served in the Lord's church all my life. And, I, and we need people to serve in the church. We need people to serve in the mission field. And we need people to serve to care for people in our community. I'm not putting a, a blanket on, a wet blanket on that. I'm just saying build up your concept of sonship. When I talk about the father, I call him, when I talk to him in my prayer time, and sometimes some of you have heard me use this term, I don't say our father, I say dad. Because my concept of him as a father has developed to the point that I'm comfortable with calling him dad. Now he's also God, he's also almighty, he's also all the other things. But guess what? Little son here can come and get up on his knee any time. I can get through all the, the, the minders in heaven's court and I can get in and sit on his knee and enjoy him as dad. No angels can do that. But he has chosen us to be that. And then it talks about the atonement in the shedding of Christ's blood that paid the price for mankind's sin once and for all. Jesus died for the sins of the whole world. That price has been paid. If I, if I paid the price for everybody's uh, dinner at every restaurant in the whole world, then you could go <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> then, then, then you could go in there and you could eat, and you'd never have to get your wallet out. <clears throat> Is that right? Jesus died for the sins of the whole world. His blood was shed for the sins of the whole world. I'm not a a Calvinist to believe just for a few. That is not my belief system, therefore you won't get that from me. So God is no longer, because of that, because he died for the sins of the whole world, he is no longer dealing with you or me as a sinner. He's not dealing with us as sinners. Now, that, that's going to come back and whack a few people in a minute. Uh, I hope, <laughs> I hope, I hope you're one of them. And this is also the fulfillment when God is dealing with us as sons, not sinners. This is the mystery of his will. This is the fulfillment of that mystery that God was pleased to choose us despite of already knowing our failings and our frailties and in Jesus Christ, his son, to embrace us into the Godhead. Where are you destined? I love challenging believers because I used to believe like this. I used to teach about this. I'm going to be around the throne of heaven on the, in, the, in the great you know sea of glass in front of the throne worshiping forever and ever and i say well that'll be nice for you and i'll wave to you from my spot at the right hand of god in christ and i will ask you what are you doing down there Oh, because I'm humble and I just want to worship. I just want to worship God, and He's too great and I say that's okay. You can have what you believe for. But I am in Christ. I am hidden in Christ, Paul says in Colossians. I my life is hidden in Him. In Christ, at the right hand of God. <coughs> the concept of our proximity to God will determine the level of the intimacy you allow him and you to go to. Now, oneness is a mystery. Here is the mystery of oneness. Jesus said in John 17, verse 20, I do not ask on behalf of these alone, but also for those who believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, even as you, Father, are in me and I in you, That they also may be one in us. You know where that places you? That places you in me, and us in him, and all of us in the Father. And therefore, you are placed, this this is your proximity to relationship to God, you are placed inside the divine hug. You have the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit having a hug and you're stuck in the middle. And you can't get out. You can't get out of this. You are in him. This is Jesus praying. Does any of you think Jesus' prayers were answered? Yes. (laughs) The answer to that is yes. Jesus' prayers were answered. He prayed, Father, I want them to be in us, just as I'm in you and you're in me. I want them to be in us, us in them. That is a mystery. That is the gospel. That is the reality of our belief system. But few either have been taught it or are prepared to accept it because we're all too humble. Do you believe the gospel, friends? Okay, let's move a bit further. Listen to this, Peter, the Apostle Peter. Listen to this in Peter 1, 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. To obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away. Reserved for you in heaven. ...who are protected by the power of God through, the faith, for, through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while it's necessary if you have been distressed by various trials... ...so that the proof of your faith, being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honour at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not see him now, but believe in him, you greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, obtaining as the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. As to this salvation, the prophets who prophesied of the grace that would come to you made careful searches and inquiries seeking to know what person or time the Spirit of Christ within them was indicating as he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories to follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves but you in these things which now have been announced to you through those who preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long... To look I want to suggest to you that you are an oddity to the angels that serve you I think they love hanging around us I sense I sensed I sensed the presence of God we call it the presence of God I just say it's an angel I sensed an angel when I was there and this morning when I was praying to come in I sensed angels around me and they love being with me I think But they find me curious because they are not partakers of the mystery of the gospel. The term mystery, mysterion in the Greek, means people who have a secret known only to the people inside that group. Which means you have secrets given to you by God that angels do not understand yet. But they are learning and they're learning as they watch us, and they're learning as we interpret the Scriptures, and they're learning as we walk with God and, what, and they see what God does in our life, and they bear testimony to it. And Peter is saying, angels are longing to look into this mystery, and we are the revelation. We are the actual manifestation of this mystery. The Apostle Paul recognised that the problem in believers was that there is an inherent problem left over from our sin nature and its inferiority. And inferiority means we find it hard to accept the glorious gospel. We have to, we have to tone it down to something that's either acceptable to the human mind or to religion. Or to just our inferiority. So we bring it down, rather than magnifying it, rejoicing in it. And Paul recognised this. And so in Romans chapter eight, verse one, he says this: There is there na- there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ, for the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. Now, you know what laws are. Laws are decrees that govern. Govern our behaviour, govern our way. And the law of the spirit of death, we probably have some idea of what it is and where it originated. I think the law of sin and death originated when Lucifer fell. I think that's when it first kicked in. But there is a clear evidence of it in the story of the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve. And Lucifer, now Satan, comes to into the garden and gets Adam and Eve to partake of a tree and, and be engaged in an act of rebellion. God said, don't touch the tree. Uh, sorry, he didn't say that. That's what Eve said. That was a lie, by the way. That was an exaggeration, first Pentecostal in the Bible, <laughs> an exaggeration. Uh, He said don't eat the fruit of the tree. She later on she said when God said, you know, what did you do? She said, oh, you know the devil told us not to eat the fruit or even to touch it. See there's an exaggeration. It's not true. You read it carefully. But they took the fruit and the law of this of of sin and death kicked in. So the law of sin and death Is to do with the law, is to do with the fruit of that tree, which is the fruit of good and evil, which equates to right and wrong. This is the base problem of religion. Religion thrives, it froths at what's right and wrong. I'm old enough to remember, I grew up in a church from a little boy. I grew up in a church. I'm old enough to remember when we were told that it is right to go to church and wrong to smoke cigarettes. So, of course, what did we all do? We went straight behind the church hall and lit up a (laughs) Marlboro. Right and wrong. It was right for me as a boy to engage myself in the church service. I sang in the choir for many years. And there was a communion rail at the front of the church, but I wasn't allowed to get over that rail because only the special people in the special gear got over the rail or past them. They had a gate, you didn't have to get over it. They went in and out. And I would sit in that church during the week, sometimes on my own. I was so drawn to the church, to where God was, the God's house. I was so drawn to it. And I used to, <clears throat> on the way home from school, I would go into the church. And sit there and just think about God, but occasionally I would get up to that rail i 'd sneak up, no one was there, and i 'd look at the rail, and then i 'd get over the rail <laughs> and i 'd wander around and i 'd sit no i didn 't smoke in the church i knew that <laughs> I knew that was wrong but i 'd kneel down i 'd sit there and i 'd pretend and i 'd get up in later on i 'd get back over the rail and i 'd get over to the, get up into the big raised pulpit section and I'd stand up there as though I was preaching to the church you know I just loved this from a kid I knew it was right to go to church I knew it was wrong to get over that rail I knew it was right to dress up to go to church and I knew it was wrong to get a tattoo have you seen? No (laughs) right and wrong I grew up with it so did you And there are rights and wrongs in our society that are very important that we learn. It's right to cross on the green signal when you're walking across an intersection. It's wrong to cross on the red signal. And you all do, cross on the red signal. But there are reasons for those things. You can't do without those. But when it comes into our faith, the rightness and wrongness, what's acceptable to God and what's not acceptable to God, goes straight back to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It goes straight back to us being judges of everything. You see somebody in the street and you're judging them. There's a good ad on TV at the moment, I don't know, could, uh, insurance company or something, UE or something or another, and they show somebody just on the screen and they say, now make an observation about this person. And you sort of look at him and you think, probably spent 20 years inside, definitely a drug dealer, <laughs> something very perverse about them and then they say, you know, they've got a PhD and they teach in Sydney University on, on physics or something. You know, it's a great ad. And it illustrates that we are so quick to judge people. Why? Because we default to this right and wrong filter. <clears throat> okay, enough said on that. I think I've made my point. Anything that points to what you should or should not do behaviourally in order to please God is religion and it goes back to the tree of right and wrong, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, anything. How do I know that? Because God commended his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. In other words, you were accepted when you were a lousy, rotten sinner. He didn't wait for you to get good. He didn't wait for you to give up smoking. He didn't wait for you to get rid of the tattoo. He didn't wait for you to apologize to the priest for getting over that communion rail. He simply accepted you. I, I, I'm trusting The Lord Jesus, the Holy Spirit (coughs) will set some of us free from some things this morning. This is my concept of deliverance. You see, this is why Jesus saw the law as our weak point. And under the Father's instruction, he became part of the human race. He yielded himself to death on a cross. He became the sin of the world. And he shed the blood and fulfilled the requirement of the law. And then he was resurrected from the grave and in doing so, modeled for the first time the spirit, of the, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. The new covenant in his blood <clears throat> swallowed up the old covenant and every covenant before it or well before it yes swallowed it up fulfilled it all swallowed it up i like to think of jesus on the cross as being uh i can't think of a of a of a positive term so i'm just going to use the term we all know i think of jesus on the cross as a black hole sucking every part of creation into himself there was an oomph from heaven when I just said that. Listen to me, I'll say it again. I think of Jesus as being on that cross like a black hole and when he died and his shed blood was, was shed and he said it is finished and he paid the sacrifice and fulfilled the requirement of the law and nailed the law which was against us to the tree and fulfilled the Father's mission. All of creation, not just sinners or some sinners, all of creation, all created beings, including the devil and his angels, everything in heaven and on earth and under the earth got absorbed into the majesty and the authority of Jesus Christ. He said later on, all authority is given to me in heaven and on earth. Where, what room is there for Satan to have any authority? Yeah. Only in the minds of people that want to give him that place. Yeah. You want to spend your life chasing the devil? Knock yourself out. Or he'll probably knock you out. You give him the power and he'll chase you down. I give him no power. And he... Tends to leave me alone unless there's a massive attack. In which case, these momentary light afflictions are not worthy to be compared with the joys and the glories that are going to follow. And Peter had already said whatever I'm going through, whatever you're going through, all of this is working towards God's purpose in our life. We've got something better in mind, something better in front of us, something better in the future. To hell with the devil. If you believe in hell (laughs) I didn't make a comment Pastor Joel I just sort of threw it out there (laughs) Jesus trumped the devil by the power of the Father he rose triumphant the kingdom was established the kingdom spoken of by Daniel that in those days a kingdom would be established That will be an eternal kingdom. And that kingdom is in manifestation right now and here this morning and in you. And the river coming from heaven is in you and it's flowing up. And if you'll just let it get past your intellect and your teaching and your understandings and just manifest in a way that is godly, is heavenly, is kingdom, then you'll find you'll be lifted up. And I find that the tree of the knowledge of good and evil always draws us down. And the tree of life always draws us up. And that's why Paul says, attacking that inferiority problem, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set us free from the law of sin and death. He gives you the problem, condemnation, and he gives you the answer or the antidote, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. I'll I'll just use me. I could use you, but I don't want... you You need to decide this for yourself. I am not a sinner saved by grace. I was a sinner... I have been saved by grace, but my identity goes to being a child of God. And the reason that's important is because if I put my family tree back to Adam, then my identity is in a loser. And that's not... I'm not going to... I'm not going to be identified with that. Because if any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. 2 Corinthians 5. If any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things are gone. Behold, all things are new. My DNA goes back to where the kingdom started. And the one who started the race called new creation, Jesus Christ... The firstborn from the dead birthed a kingdom, and therefore my DNA goes back to that. So when the devil says, James, you're a sinner, i say, no, I'm not. Why are you even talking to me, devil? You should know better. I'm not, I'm not going to attack you. I'm not going to fight you. If you want me to tell you what I think of you, I will use Christianese words to tell you what I think of you. But I'm not engaging in this because it doesn't matter what I have done and it doesn't matter even what I will do. The blood of Christ Jesus has cleansed me from all sin. The price has been paid. Now, some people might say, well, what's that to stop you going out and being a sinner and thinking, everything's okay, I can be a sinner? Well, number one... The love of God constrains me, Paul says. It actually has hold of me in a way that steers me in the right direction. Number two, sin doesn't work well with me. In fact, I find that sin decays my soul. And if I'm smart about it, I don't want anything that decays my soul because I'm trying to grow and develop in my walk with God. Sin is like It, it, it promises so much and delivers so little. <laughs> Just the smell promises so much. <laughs> Send all correspondence to Celebration Church, South Nara. <laughs> Friends, we're set free. We're new creation. And then Paul says, therefore, in Second Corinthians 5, I've got four and a half minutes. Hang in there, people. Therefore, from now on, we recognise no one according to the flesh. Whoa, hang on. Isn't our whole world recognising people according to the flesh? How many stupid TV shows are there of flesh manifesting in relationships, on boats, in houses... I don't know what the other ones are, but I know they're all, you know. <laughs> they, 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 we, uh, uh, therefore, from now on, we recognize no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him this way no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old has passed away. Behold, new things have come. Now all these things are from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ's, listen to it, and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, namely that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. Who's counting your trespasses against you? Now, maybe an old boyfriend or girlfriend or husband or maybe a teacher. Who's counting your trespasses against them? It's not God. And if it's you, dear friend, listen, my heart is with you. If it's you, please believe the gospel. Please believe the gospel. I still find myself defaulting to a, (laughs) ha! They gave me another two minutes. That's great. (laughs) I, I, I... I still, I still find myself defaulting to things. I mean, yeah, something comes into my mind of something in the past. Something I've done to hurt somebody or whatever. Some mistake I've made. And I think, I say, oh, forgive me, Lord. I do it as a, as a, as a reaction almost. But I don't need to because he has. He has forgiven me. If the devil wants me to start going through a list of sins see and i'll tell you the truth as a as a teacher as a person that stands here and shares with people for many years the easiest sermon to get people to respond to is a sermon about sin it's so easy to drill into people's sinful concepts in their minds suddenly oh we had 50 people on the altar call yeah, but, I mean, I can get more. How could he get more than that? Has anyone ever had a mother? All those come down the front. You can get, you can get people to the front. But I am not wanting you or I to feed into people's ins- inferiority wow, because that is the old man. That is the old DNA. That is yesterday. That is pre-Christ. Today, new new creation. My DNA goes back to, to the glory of Jesus who rose from the dead. And the spirit of the law of life is alive in me now. Last scripture, Colossians 3. Therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things that are on the earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ who is our life is revealed, then you will also be revealed with him in glory. I'll give you some homework. <laughs> and if you're like me, you won't do it. <laughs> I never did homework at school. Why would I start now? But here's homework, practice regularly, once a week or even every day, to concentrate on things above. Because the law of the spirit of life is lifting us up. It's sending us towards something. Our glorious days ahead are better than those that have been behind. But that's not just an exhortation about how life's going to get better and better. For some of us, that isn't going to be true. Try getting older. Does life get better and better? In some ways. You don't have to get up and go to work every day. That's pretty good. What about all the creaks and joints when you get out of bed and, and everything's going crack and creak and you're careful not to pull muscles when you're doing something in the garden? Is life getting better? Uh, yeah, well, I'm, I'm, I'm confessing it, brother. I'm confessing life is getting better, but in some ways I'm looking forward to a new body. How about you? And everyone over 50 said, Amen. (laughs) And that's it. The mystery of the gospel that God knew you before the foundation of the world. I believe our spirit was already in God I believe it was released to come here and he stuck us into a body a little one and then grew us up I believe it's like the prodigal story the father had a son that said give me all you know, my inheritance and the father doesn't even say don't do that boy he just gives it to him the guy goes out a bit like us going from heaven goes out And discovers the world and then comes back to the Father. And the Father is waiting for him with no condemnation. Just love, just acceptance, just reward. Isn't that like our Father in heaven? Isn't that the gospel? Whatever we've done, whatever mistakes we've made. Listen, if Jesus has forgiven you, forgive yourself. Get it right with people if you can. If you can help somebody get free of something, go and talk to them, get it right with people if you can, and then trust that God has been so gracious that we can all just get on with life. Nothing would infuriate the devil more than that. Just get on with life. Father, we just thank you this morning. They're seed thoughts, Dad. They're just thoughts. They're just thoughts that came into my mind when I was preparing and now I've shared these thoughts with these precious folk. If you would take some of that seed as is appropriate to each person and place it into their hearts for a moment that it will germinate and bear fruit, please do that. I pray that each one of us would grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus. And that we would go on to excel in this life, bearing much fruit. Thank you, Lord, that you have chosen us. We don't know why, it's a mystery. But there it is, and you have. So we say thank you. May many more come to a knowledge of Jesus Christ while they are drawing breath, I pray, through us, in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you were encouraged by today's message. If you would like to know more about our church, please go to celebrationchurch.com.au.